Poole Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. Lakeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of The Emerald Couch. This is your host, Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in every single week to talk about all things mental health and pop psychology. I appreciate you all very much, and so I hope that you are continuing to enjoy the show and to share with others. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe through Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, but also follow us on social media at Go Small Talk Counseling for Instagram and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash smalltalkcounseling. And in order to engage with us between episodes, you can also check out our website, which is www.smalltalkcounseling.com, where we have a blog, information on how to seek services, as well as just more information about the show and past episodes. So if you tune in every week, make sure that you're rating the podcast through Apple Podcasts, liking it and sharing it on SoundCloud and sharing it on your social media pages to say that you like what you're hearing. So we are back for another episode. This is episode 19. Um, And today I want us to talk a little bit about establishing work-life balance. So we've had in previous episodes where we've talked about sort of curating your wellness and identifying areas of wellness that maybe you never once thought of and sort of starting that process of thinking about it. And I think that was back in May. But I want us to revisit that because we're going into another season. Um, The official or maybe the unofficial end of summer is about two weeks away with Labor Day. And so most of us who have roles in academic settings are preparing for classes, creating research agendas, programs, all those things. And then those of us um, like myself as well that are in business. Um, Specifically, if maybe you're in clinical work, you're preparing your game plans for the end of this third quarter of the year, but also the start of the fourth and final quarter of the year to make sure that you're meeting um, your entrepreneurial goals. So what happens is in the midst of transitions, we often forget about the intentionality that it takes to maintain such a hectic lifestyle um, and that we need balance in order to make sure that everything gets done. So I really want to pose the question of if we really think work-life balance is something that can actually be achieved. And of course, if we do think so, what does that look like? What's the first step? How do we get started? So like I mentioned, back in May, we chatted about curating wellness and sort of being aware of life areas that need to be tended to. Um, But we didn't get into so much detail about the how. So I definitely want to take some time today to think about what we can do Um, in order to get you there. So my family and friends who know me well know that I'm extremely hardworking. 
Um, I will give everything that I have physically, mentally, and emotionally um, to accomplish something. But I think on the opposite of that, you have to consider what happens when that gas tank is on E as a result of that. And so oftentimes when I find myself getting caught up in those sort of cycles, I have to ask myself, what's the bigger desire or the need behind pushing yourself beyond your limits at those times? And so my friends will always laugh at me when I'm like, I have a full-time job, I have a part-time private practice, um, I'm not broke. <laughs> so, you know, what's what's pushing me in that way to just give literally everything I have? And so I think we have to consider today, how do we balance this idea of just getting it done um, for our career advancement and making sure that we take care of ourselves and achieve our goals, but also how do we take care of home and how do we take care of our physical bodies to make sure that we also maintain that sense of wellness that's necessary for us to keep going. So my strategy has always been utilizing the tool of career mapping, um, as well as establishing appropriate boundaries for work-life balance. And I think we've also talked about boundaries on the show before. So I'll break that down because I think it deserves sort of two separate conversations. So first, what is career mapping? Most of you may be listening have never heard that phrase before. And then for many of you, it's going to be super familiar. Um, and you've probably been doing career maps maybe your whole life or your whole career. So career mapping also now has kind of evolved and called career pathing gives um, both someone who is working, but also someone who oversees folks who are working um, a clear roadmap that outlines what it takes for that employee to get from where they currently are to where they want to be and being able to think about that um, within a sp- specific time frames. So it can be short range as sort of like, what do you want to accomplish for this year? Um, so again, most of us in academic settings might say, okay, it's August, school is starting between now and May. What is it that I hope to achieve? Um, but it can also be long range. So you could be thinking about literally from now through retirement. So 20, 30 years from now. Um, and I'll be able to provide you all with maybe some um, graphic examples of what these can look like. There's no right or wrong way to do them, but I think just with me saying that for some of us who are like me in visual, um, it helps to see what that can look like. So in the midst of determining these plans and these goals on this career map, you have to sort of take an intentional evaluation of the skills, um, the environment that you're in, um, salary expectations, locations or where you want to live, um, personal boundaries, all those things to really know sort of where you're headed on this map. And a lot of folks uh, often after they get maybe their first job, just sort of let that current role choose where their next stop is when actually you should sort of constantly, even in the job that you're happy in, be thinking about the ways in which you can advance um, your personal and professional goals, as well as to make sure that you remain a good fit to be doing that job and um, not you know, moving out of the way for maybe somebody who can come in with fresh ideas to do it differently, not always better, but just differently so that you can move to the next thing that's on um, your list as far as reaching the next level, getting a title change, getting an increase in salary. It's just really important. So this is how most of us um, don't end up in a job for the majority of our adult lives that feels unfulfilling and kind of not in alignment with what our overall purpose is when we know what that is. And so just being able to really utilize a career map, which again can be as detailed as you would like. So 
for instance, on my career map, which I try to redo at least every year. Sometimes I forget and it might be every other year, but that's usually the longest I'll go. Um, I'll make sure that I have you know, personal goals as well as professional goals on it because you have to take that into consideration. That's why we're talking about work-life balance. You can't have career goals and not have sort of personal or life goals, at least in mind, because at some point they're going to come to heads. There's going to be a time where you're going to have to maybe make a choice. And in that instance, you want to at least feel like you have a clear vision of what both of those paths maybe look like um, and where you can make changes so that if you need to alter your plan, it doesn't feel like you're completely overhauling your life, but just shifting things from a different time frame. So let's talk about sort of the work-life balance part of it. Um, And really, how does that even come into play Um, And ultimately, is it even a real thing? Can it even actually be achieved? And I think you get mixed answers on this. Um, Most people will say that, you know, yes, there is a happy medium. I think I am more towards the fact that or the thought that you can have great balance, but whether or not it's a true work-life balance, I don't know. I think you can learn to establish, like I said, appropriate boundaries to be able to know when to turn off sort of work hat and when to turn on life hat um, and vice versa. But I think it's ultimately being able to even acknowledge that as the way to even open a conversation about that. So let me just define what work-life balance is and then maybe we'll get into this a little bit more. So Work-life balance is the term used to describe the balance that an individual needs between time allocated for work and then everything else um, as far as other aspects of life and how to maintain those things. So I'll give a good example, and I think I've given this on the show before, but um, at the end of 2017, so around November of 2017, um, things in my world were going kind of hectic. Things were um, moving very quickly, all for the good, right? So work was going well, the practice was going well, I was developing the plans for this podcast, um, having lots of opportunities to present and to travel and to um, do all these things. And so nothing was bad about that. Um, But it's just a very long list of things to do. And then in my personal life, I was trying to make sure that I paid attention to sort of my physical well-being at that time because also towards the end of last year I started having a variety of health issues pop up with kidney stones I kept getting um, sinus infections and all kinds of things like constantly and that's just typically not me because like I mentioned at the start of the show I'm someone who can kind of go, 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 Um, even sometimes when it's just on fumes, which is not good, but I'm just being honest. So um, when reaching that point, you know, trying to do all these things for work, do all these things for the practice, and then making myself a priority, which meant like eating better, exercising more. Well, at the end of the day, there's only 24 hours in the day. And so trying to sort of make all of that happen, some areas suffered. So I wasn't sleeping as much. And even though I was eating better, um, I was sort of learning how to eat better. And so my meals weren't always probably the correct calorie intake that I really needed to maintain good energy or full of the right proteins and nutrients that are necessary um, to function physically. And so literally I hit a time right before I think the Thanksgiving holidays um, 
I was just exhausted and I went to my primary care physician who is wonderful and she kind of looked at me and was like you don't look like yourself she's like I know I don't see you all the time because you're hardly ever sick but just don't look like yourself so I was telling her all these things I had going on at work telling her about the practice and telling her about sort of this like fitness and health plan that I was on and how I just kind of planned to do that um, as a new way of living and she just kind of looked at me for a little bit and, and it was just like well you're only one person um, and so in my mind, and like most of us, we take that as like a challenge. Yeah, I'm one person, but, you know, I can do this or it's my plan. So only I can carry them out. All these things that we tell ourselves. And so her words to me were, you need to rest. And in most cases, those of us who are, you know, busy bodies and our minds are constantly going, rest is something that we kind of like laugh at. Um, and in most cases, though, it is the way in which we restore our thoughts, uh, restore our physical body. It's how we're able to sort of gain new ideas and new ways of functioning. And so without that approach, it's really difficult to even consider being um, a better version of yourself. So one of the ways that I think I decided to make that change was I chose fully me over the holiday break, which allowed me, of course, to think very differently about how would I prioritize work? And so fortunately during the holiday break, I didn't have to prioritize work as far as my full-time role. Um, And with the practice, no matter what, every year for the holidays, usually after the second week in December, um, we close until the new year. And so it was perfect timing, but I also imagine what would have happened had my timing been off and had this been during the summer months or during the spring semester or earlier in the fall semester, what would that have looked like instead? And so um, in those instances, that's kind of the example that I, I like to use to say that I don't necessarily know that you can ever really find the balance between the two. At some point, you have to choose you or you have to make a choice um, of which one is going to get the majority of your attention and your time and your energy. So I want to offer, as always, some tips on just some ways that you can think about um, maintaining a sense of balance or figuring out how to find what your balance looks like. And I think you all know on this show, I love mentalhealthamerica.net. It's a great site, tons of wonderful topics um, and good ways to consider what our scope of mental health um, even looks like, because I think most people always assume it's more based on mental illness. And so um, they talk a lot about work-life balance. And so for a lot of people, of course, you know, they think that it's sort of an impossible goal. And like we just talked about, it's not impossible, but I think what it looks like surprises people. So oftentimes, so many of us are torn between juggling heavy workloads, managing relationships, family, um, also trying to squeeze in hobbies if you can. And so, of course, you know, the majority of us describe ourselves as highly stressed, which is not balanced um, and absolutely not healthy. And so in the midst of the hustle of us trying to get this all done between the office and home, it's easy to forget that we have these sort of spikes in our stress levels and Um, our productivity ends up suffering as a result. And so, like I just mentioned, you know, stress or a lack of sleep or um, 
overworking yourself can zap your concentration, can make you grumpy, can make you feel sad. It can also affect our personal and professional relationships because we're not functioning in the same way um, or to the same level of expectation as those folks in our lives. And so over time, what ends up happening is that that stress will weaken our immune system, makes us um, susceptible to all these ailments. So just like I was talking about with what happened with me, um, it can actually lead to more serious concerns with things like heart disease. And so what research tells us now is that chronic stress can actually end up doubling your risk um, of having a heart attack. And so that alone is scary enough to um, make your blood pressure right now go up or or make you feel like you have a pain um, in your chest. So being able to realize that we all need to figure out ways to manage our stress. And so we've talked too when we've talked about anxiety that some forms of stress are actually useful because they help us like perform better. They push us a little bit beyond our procrastination. Um, But managing stress is 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 where the magic word of balance has to come in and so not only is achieving that work-life balance um, attainable but it has to look unique um, to you and being able to really benefit from the rewards of it only comes when you find ways that it makes you more productive um, and makes you happier so some of the tips that mental health america offer Um, They offer sort of two ways to think about this. So in work life, how do you find balance? And at home. So for work, um, they gave some really great tips that I'm going to share with you now. So one is setting manageable goals each day. So just being able to make sure you meet your priorities, you feel a sense of accomplishment. And that alone allows you to be able when five o'clock comes to walk out of the door and say, okay, the rest is for tomorrow. And so the more control we feel like we have in our work, place, the less stressed we are and the more realistic then we become about additional deadlines and um, workloads that maybe are still waiting for us. Um, Number two is be efficient with your time at work. So we often, most of us, tend to procrastinate. And so then, of course, the task grows in our minds until it seems like it's not even something you can accomplish anymore. And so if you have a huge project at work or at home, um, start by kind of dividing things up into smaller tasks. So complete the first one before moving on to the next one. Don't sort of jump all over the place. The less time you spend doing busy work and procrastinating, the more time then you can have for family, friends, or to get other things done. Number three is to ask for flexibility. So flex time is not something that most companies have officially, um, but it is becoming more common in workplaces, particularly because many work settings are now drafting work-life balance policies, which is awesome. Um, So figuring out a way to produce um, sort of that loyalty uh, that that your supervisor might be looking for to be able to offer the option for flex time. And so for people who are like, what is flex time or what is flexibility might mean that you um, come to work for your regular work day, but then you also have a commitment or an obligation that is a part of work that causes you to stay past that eight hour shift or that 10 hour shift. And so that additional time, which is not scheduled somehow maybe can come into play to offer you some better balance. Like if you stay two hours after work, yesterday, maybe if you don't have anything for the next morning to come in two hours later or to use those two hours on a day where maybe, you know, you have a doctor's appointment or you need to um, leave earlier because you just want to have a free day um, to do that without having to count it towards like leave time or sick leave, um, which is pretty great. And again, it helps to create a sense of like 
productivity and loyalty between that employer and employee to let them know that, you know, I'm here to do the job and it may not look the traditional way, but I'm going to get it done. Um, Number four is to just take five. So taking a break at work is totally acceptable. It's actually often encouraged. Um, I know my office on campus doesn't have any windows. So typically on a daily basis, um, I try to, if not for lunch, just for a little break to walk outside and just stretch my legs, help clear my head. Um, That's how most times if I'm having a stressful day, getting out of what feels like my little box um, makes it easier to then come back and try to retackle that task again. So just making sure that you just take take a five minute break, get up, stretch, get outside. Um, number five is to tune in. So listen to your favorite music to create um, a sense of concentration, but it also helps to stimulate creativity as well. So I know for a fact that when people walk down the hall where my office is and when I'm at the practice, um, if I'm not with clients, then I am typically listening to music. And that can be anything based on what your mood is. So some days it's gospel, some days it's Jay-Z, some days it might be second line music. Um, For me, it's about creating a mood so that I can get more work done. And actually studies show that... um, the benefits of music in everyday life include things like lowering your blood pressure and reducing sort of increased heart rate. Um, And so being able to know that just by turning on your radio, um, that you could be creating a better sense of well-being is actually some free and good therapy that everybody should try to do. Number six is to communicate effectively. So be honest with your colleagues about, you know, how you're feeling if you're, you know, crunch for time or letting your boss know where you are with the task so that you don't feel um, that pressure of maybe letting them down. And so chances are they probably feel the same way about the bigger tasks that they also have. And, you know, don't just leave it to complaining about it, but be able to suggest alternatives, talk about a different timeline, Um, being able to just look at the situation from a different perspective always helps. And then the last one, just give yourself a break. So nobody's perfect. Allow yourself to be human and just do the best you can. Know that you're not going to get these tips for work all right every single time, but being able to allow yourself to at least think about what that could look like for you in your work setting is critical. On the opposite end is home, um, and they offer some really great tips as well. So the first one of those is to unplug. So the same technology that makes it super easy for us at work to get things done and to move quickly um, and do our jobs in the most flexible way can actually burn us out if we're on them constantly. So of course, you know, yes, make yourself available. Don't like hide from all your family and friends. Um, but recognize that you need personal time too. So you know, maybe turning off the noise that goes off for email once you hit home and knowing that you know if it's not, if it's something really urgent then they're going to call you versus kind of every time that phone um, decides because maybe somebody else isn't practicing work-life balance and emailing late at night that you don't have to um, let that ruin sort of your ability to find that balance for yourself. Number two is to divide and conquer. So make sure that responsibilities at home are evenly distributed among who's there. So for those of us that maybe are living alone, that might not be as easy, but that can also look like making sure that then if there's household chores or things that you want to get done around the house, don't try to do them all 
on Monday night after you've had a super long day at work, figure out a way to clearly kind of outline what you want to get done so that you just avoid confusion and problems later. For those that have you know, multiple people in the household, then same thing. You evenly distribute those tasks so that you just avoid any confusion about who's expected to do what. Number three, don't overcommit. You know, oftentimes I open up my calendar and sometimes looking at that makes me stressed. Um, And so making sure that you don't overschedule with activities by learning to say no. Um, We often tend to want to be superwoman and superman, um, but it's just not realistic. And so being able to realize that sometimes you have to be able to cut back. So for me, this might look like uh, what fall semester typically looks like. Uh, I usually have my work role, I have the practice, and I usually teach um, a course. And so in this semester, actually, I'm teaching two courses. And so that means um, I'm going to be much more efficient with what eight to five looks like for me every day. Um, I'm going to probably limit what days I might be at the practice and and stick to that from now through the end of December. Um, And just being able to manage that because I also have two sets of students um, or, or classes of students to have to grade things for and also be my best for them so that they can learn and, and be their best going into their career. So just avoiding over committing is very important. Even though it's very difficult to sometimes say no, you just have to. Uh, number four, get support. So chatting with family and friends can always be an easy way to just let people know how you're doing and check in with somebody. Um, it's it's actually pretty critical to your overall success at home and even at work because it allows you to not have to manage that stress alone and just not have to hold all of that in. So of course, people with stronger support systems usually um, have better immune systems. They don't have the same responses to illness um, because they have support. And so being able to create sort of your village, which I think we've also talked about on this show is critical. Number five, take advantage of your company's EAP program, so an employee assistance program. So obviously, as a therapist, I am biased, and I think everybody should do this, even if something isn't wrong. But many organizations offer resources through an EAP that can be anything from you know counseling. Um, they can help you find a daycare. They can help you find caretaking for an elderly parent um, and referrals for other services as well. And a lot of times, people don't realize like you're already paying for this with your insurance benefit. So why not take advantage of it? Sometimes if you have like a really great company and and I don't know if anybody still works for companies like these, but if you do, let us know Um, in case we're looking. um, They may even cover things like massages or gym memberships, which is pretty awesome as well and allows you to sort of find the benefit um, in taking better care of yourself when you don't have to maybe have the extra expense to do so. Um, number six is staying active. So aside from obviously, you know, the the physical benefits of exercise that we all know about, things like depression and anxiety also um, can be combated through physical activity. Um, it allows people to cope better with adversity. Um, it also helps to boost our immune system and keep you out of the doctor's office. So, you know, make time in your schedule to go to the gym or during lunch, take a walk. Um, and try to do something that you enjoy. So if that's yoga or if that's um, creating some sort of art project, whatever it is, being able to do that is important. Number um, seven, I have to think about where we were. Number seven, treat your body right. So being in good shape physically always, you know, is important, but also 
making sure you eat right too, um, and getting adequate rest. So don't rely on things which are usually negative coping mechanisms like drugs and alcohol and cigarettes to cope with stress because they usually only lead to more health problems um, and typically that becomes stressful for us. So trying to avoid that as best you can is important. And then finally, of course, getting help if you need it. So don't let stress be the thing that gets in the way of your overall health and happiness. If you are persistently overwhelmed, it might be time to finally seek out some form of mental health support. And finding a licensed mental health professional is just critical in that process. Um, Asking for help is definitely not a sign of weakness. Um, Actually taking care of yourself is more of a sign of strength. And so by doing that, you benefit and also those that love you as well. So those were some of the tips for both at home and at work um, that mentalhealthamerica.net suggested in order to find that work-life balance for you. So definitely take some of those into consideration. I think for myself, if I just could offer some final tips of how to find your balance, um, listen to your body. So, you know, when you start to feel differently than usual, that could be a sign that you're not getting enough rest, you're not eating right, you're kind of running on fumes. Recognize changes. So if you find yourself being more irritable or you're not getting things done, it may be time to hit that reset and really figure out what's going on. Find an accountability partner. So find someone to hold you accountable. Um, And that doesn't mean you have to tell them kind of what you're trying to achieve, but remind them or tell them that they need to remind you to... um, you know, go to the gym or just ask them to check in with you weekly to see what sort of health and wellness goals you've accomplished. Um, Join a support group or schedule a counseling session like we just talked about a little bit. Make sure you schedule your downtime. So oftentimes we are not very good about um, finding ways to kind of stick to the plan of things that are just for us. So making sure that you really, really do that, I think is critical. We're all guilty of not sticking to the plan. Um, And I think at some point you're going to be forced to choose. And so I hope that no matter what, you ultimately choose yourself. Um, And so that is the way in which I like to describe um, thinking about work-life balance, considering what it can look like. And so I hope that this helps somebody as you start um, the beginning of the fall season to really think differently about how you're going to take care of yourself so that you get to enjoy your time with others and do the things that you want to do. So right here, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be back with all of our signature segments. everyone we are back with our signature segments for the week first up we have our pop psych moment of the week so first i definitely want to take this time um to send lots of love and support um and gratitude to the family of the late great miss aretha franklin queen of soul um a human and civil rights activist definitely um, a vocalist that I don't think any of us will ever forget if you've had any familiarity with her music and her um, her work, her life's work of what she's tried to do um, to be an advocate for people everywhere as well. So definitely thinking about her at this time and her family. Um, 
One of the things that I really like about Aretha Franklin in general is just sort of um, anytime, and especially more later in life, if you look up videos, you'll see she had this like straight shooter, honest, transparent, both demeanor and like was just, you know, in always herself all the time. Um, and so what I appreciate about that is folks who sort of have that type of mindset tend to enjoy life more because um, they have clear boundaries about what they will and won't do, as well as um, push themselves to be probably more honest than most people are willing to so that they live life without regrets, which is, again, another trait that I think anybody, particularly those of us who um, are seeking ways to be well in all parts of our lives could definitely learn from. But um, to kind of connect this back to our pop psych moment, I really want us to think about, we've talked about work-life balance, we've talked about ways to um, improve the different areas of our life, particularly the two main areas of work and home. And one of the suggestions that came up, um, particularly in the work setting, was around music and utilizing tunes in order to be able to have an outlet that could um, be utilized as a way to relieve stress as you continue to be productive. Um, and so one of the things that I love about music, I'm actually a former musician. Um, I played alto saxophone for many, many, many years, but to this day, love music, love being able to listen um, to the musicianship behind some of my favorite music, um, particularly an instrumentation, which is nice. And so um, one of the things I love about music is that it transcends time. So even though Aretha Franklin has had sort of a hand in the lives of this generation of, of folks and listeners, but also I think of, you know, my mother and my grandmother who would all know um, who Aretha Franklin is and, and really have um, their own experience with the impact that maybe she made through her life and through her music. And so as we start to think about, again, ways to relieve stress, to manage anxiety, the use of music can be very critical. And so being able to figure out how do you um, establish, you know, whether that's um, a collection of music that you like, consider making relaxation playlists, um, really being able to find things that tap into who you are um, and what motivates you. I think if you can find a music genre or a certain artist that does that for you to tune in. So I think everybody knows it's no secret that I love Beyonce, but I love, love, love Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston more. Um, and so being able to, you know, understand that some of the messaging behind their music, as well as they were both great vocalists and entertainers, um, does something for me in being able to utilize music as an outlet and create space for me to escape, um, unlike maybe some of the other ways that we tend to relieve stress. So really just sort of connecting, you know, what it means to obviously lose a voice in music, but knowing that um, their music lives on. So that means their legacy and their impact lives on, which is wonderful. Um, but reading, being able to realize that that's sort of important. And what I liked in particular about Aretha Franklin is that she allowed herself to transcend time by being a part of 
music at different eras and knowing when to take breaks and knowing when to sort of bow out. And so most recently, we've also seen this with Rihanna receiving a lot of criticism because she's turned her focus right now to some of her other ventures like music and um I mean, besides music, not like music, um, like makeup and um, her foundation and just thinking differently and more broadly about the impact that she wants to make because it's personally fulfilling to her. And so while all of us came to know her um, by her being a musician, you know, there's more to it than that. And so I can appreciate sort of knowing when to enter and exit the scene of music to leave people with your your craft um, to kind of live on and chew on and experience life along with you um, and then stepping away to give a break. Um, Adele does the same thing. We get an album from her like every five years and they're always so phenomenal because I think they're authentic and they give um, a voice to what's happening maybe at that time for many, many, many people. So Our pop psych moment of the week is just to, again, acknowledge the life of the queen of soul, but also to consider making music um, more of a part of your self-care and your wellness routine as you seek to find that balance. So in closing, we have our small talk bookshelf as always. So again, this is where I always give tips and tools um, to add to your bookshelf or to your repertoire of ways for you to practice wellness and good well-being for yourself. So um, instead of a book this week, I've decided to offer some of my favorite tools to just manage life. Um, As we continue to think about this idea of work-life balance and how to create um, sort of that sense of ease in trying to achieve that balance, even though we said there's not really one particular way to do that, but there are definitely ways to get there sooner and quicker. So um, the first and probably easiest tool that anybody can utilize is the calendar that's in your phone. So most of us, um, if you have a smartphone, and most people do, um, you are able to create you know, a calendar where you can put appointments, you can put reminders, you can put to-do lists, um, and it gives you a way to sync that not only you know, to all of your sort of like phone devices, but to your laptop, to your computer. So I know that my phone serves as sort of like my master calendar of where everything is, whether that's work stuff, things at the practice, Um, my personal life events, but also then I can have sort of a general calendar um, that's that's separate from that for work or, um, you know, being able to just sort of organize myself in that that way. So I love, you know, just being able to have my phone because it's with me all the time um, creates sort of that idea of like, I always know where I'm supposed to be (laughs) without having to think about it, which of course um, takes the stress off of me on a daily basis because I don't have to think about that. Now, I also am still pretty old school and I also have a like planner that I write in. Um, I don't write anymore all of the details of my day in my planner. I basically utilize it as a way to check off um, what I need to accomplish, make sure I don't procrastinate and give me general deadlines and reminders. So my written calendar always has my friends' birthdays or upcoming celebrations, things like that that I want to keep on my radar so that um, when I have downtime, I can kind of check that out and see what things could I maybe be thinking about or thinking ahead about, um, which is helpful. So phone calendar for sure, 
Um, but also a, a good old planner um, is also pretty useful. I also am a big fan of dry erase boards. So in my practice right next to the Emerald Couch, um, I have a huge monthly dry erase board that um, I put sort of just my general schedule of when I'm there, when I might be going out of town for things, um, and kind of just giving myself, again, that overview of what's going on because I just like to be able to have an idea. Um, it keeps me on track with everything from getting, you know, the podcast ready to go out and when am I, when am I going to edit? Um, when will I work on a new blog? So it just allows me to be able to, again, have a general sense of what needs to happen in this space. And so I like that because I don't have to put all those small details on my calendar and my phone. I just know that when I come to the office that day, I can look on this huge board and for today know kind of what's ahead. And so that, again, reduces stress because I know that when I get here, that's going to be here for me to be able to think through and to process. Um, I think the other tip that I could say, I guess if I'm just talking to some of my clinicians out there who might be listening, and maybe not just clinicians, but anybody who sort of has um, a consistent flow of appointments that you have to have, so appointments with other people, um, finding some sort of electronic appointment and for clinicians insurance filing system that allows you to take some of the grunt work out of that process. So I save so much time by allowing my clients to have access to a system where they can schedule for themselves, they can enter their insurance information for me to check and process before their first appointment, um, they can fill out any initial paperwork, it just saves a lot of time. So going back to some of our tips around work, like figuring out how to create flexibility, figuring out how to make tasks um, smaller versus like these huge insurmountable tasks that might you might be facing. So um definitely recommend some form of um, electronic or digital like filing system for people who need that. So similar to folks that maybe aren't in a field where they have clients, but utilizing things like, you know, Google Docs and um, Google Voice even. So that's a great way, a great tool that I use, um, which is a great way for me to make sure that um, new and potential clients who might call can uh, feel like they get to connect with me before I can give them a call back because maybe I won't call until later that evening or first thing the next day. Um, but it gives them an initial sort of like ease to know that they've called the right place um, and that somebody will be in touch with them soon. And so again, that makes it so much easier than for me who has basically two jobs going on at once. Um, I can make sure that you know I'm not losing clients before they even get started because of not calling them back or them not having a place for themselves that they can call to get the support that they need. So those are just some of my favorite tools. Um, I'll include links to some of the things I've mentioned, like the Google Voice and electronic filing systems and things like that in the show notes in case people are interested. Um, and I'll also put them on the website. But just as some good tools to help manage stress, again, while creating that work-life balance that we're all hoping to do. So that's our Small Talk Book Show for this week. 
Uh, we had no Ask Dr. LP questions, so just make sure that if you have come up with any, that you please submit them either via social media um, or email them to us. Um, and you can also submit them through the Ask Dr. LP portal on the website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Um, so look forward to getting some of those soon. And that brings us to the end of our show. So as always, I appreciate every single one of you who listen every single week um, and who do offer feedback. I know you guys don't always have questions, but I always, I don't go a week without somebody telling me how much that episode helped them or how much they enjoyed it. And I definitely appreciate that as I hope to keep this going for a very long time. So thank you all again. Um, We've got one more really special topic coming up for the last week in August. So stay tuned. I'm pretty excited about it. It's not a topic we've talked about on the show. And we're going to have a very, very special guest that I've been promising to you all all month. So look forward to that. As always, make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe through all of our various platforms and mediums um, and submit your questions if you have them. Thank you guys as always, and we will see you next week back here on the Emerald Couch.